Welcome to season two of Burnt Out to Badass. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wiseman, and I'm so excited to be bringing you stories of burnout, the recovery, the walkthrough, and then the living on the other side. It is my mission to spread a light, to normalize burnout, to name it so that we can move forward beyond it. And today's guest is Catherine Shear. Catherine is a personal injury and medical malpractice attorney with the McKinsey Lake Lawyers in Ontario, Canada. She's an advocate for women and children and firmly believes in advocating for their rights, both inside and outside of litigation context. Outside the office, she's a mom, wife, dog mom, and wellness enthusiast. She's also the creator and host of the Happy Lawyer podcast, which is aimed at illuminating issues of mental health, attrition, and advancement of women in law. Catherine is a board member of the Wellington Law Association and a founding board member of the Birthrights Bar Association of Canada, an association aimed at ending obstetric violence. I'm so excited to give you this conversation today. Welcome to the podcast, Catherine Shear. It's great to have you here with me today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Well, tell all the people out in podcasting world a little bit about yourself and the magic you're putting into the world. Yeah, so I am from Canada and I live in Ontario and I am a medical malpractice and personal injury lawyer. And that looks like a whole pile of things. So my practice ranges from, you know, serious car accidents to birth trauma cases and advocating for birth rights. So women's birth rights and ending obstetric violence. I love it. So good. I appreciate the work that you're doing. And here on Burnt Out to Badass, we talk about burnout stories. So I bet you got a good one for us. I, I do. I definitely do. All right. Well, take us back there. Give us a sneak peek on your burnout. When was it and what did it feel like in the beginning? Yeah. So it was a couple years into my legal practice and it kind of snuck up on me like I'm sure it does for everybody. Uh, And really what happened was slowly and surely I was burning the candle at both ends and I couldn't really stay above water anymore. It was me drowning And feeling very, I guess how it presented mostly is feeling very overwhelmed and stressed. So anxious, stressed, and overwhelmed all of the time to the point where I can recall one morning I woke up and I always set the coffee timer the night before. And for some reason, that coffee pot did not go off and there was no coffee. And I just crying that I actually had to make coffee because it was one more thing I had to do in my day. And that was kind of, um, one of the first points that I realized, hey, something's probably not right here. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you are in the middle of burnout, like that one more thing could be the Jenga block that knocks down your whole tower when it's pulled out. Absolutely have felt that. So that's how it felt as you like walked around in your day to day. As a person observing your outside life, what do you think it looked like to them? probably looked like I was killing it. I did everything. I was on, you know, every board and committee meeting internally and externally from the firm that I worked at. I was building a very quickly growing legal practice from the ground up. 
uh, without any assistance from anybody. And, you know, it was just one thing after another that looked from the outside worth celebrating. Uh, but on the inside, it was, you know, a lot of stress, a lot of overwhelm and a lot of anxiety until that point I reached where I'd often come home from work and would be crying as I'm making dinner. And my fiance at the time, now husband, would say, you know, there's no job in the world that's worth this. You shouldn't be this upset and sad and stressed and anxious all of the time. And I, I would just plead with him. I would say, but I love my job. There's just, it's just not right. And then what compounded that was a health issue at the same time. Everything was starting to spiral out of control in my work life. And then they started investigating a diagnosis of cancer um, for my thyroid. And what that actually ended up turning out to be was an autoimmune disorder, quite likely triggered by all the stress I was under. Um, And so that's really what hit home for me is when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease is that I can't continue to live like this. It's not just affecting how I'm showing up at home or being a little anxious or stressed out, but it's literally affecting my health. And uh, it took it took a long time to actually regain my health after that spiral of underactive thyroid and not responding to medication and the inflammation in my body and all of those things. Um, and so that was one of the pieces in that puzzle that led me to make a pretty significant change. And, and part of that was a focus on my health first. And the other part was find a new place for my practice that is going to be more suited to what I need to develop it. Because the firm that I was at was absolutely fantastic. They were a wonderful group of people, but I was the only one practicing in my area of law. So I didn't have the proper supports in place. And so what I ended up doing was transferring my practice to a different law firm that had those supports in place for me. And that was really, really important first step, but the next and more important step was to really take care of myself um, and to learn what that looked like. So how do I manage this autoimmune disease? How do I get it at bay so that I can feel normal again? Because part of that, part of the symptoms of Hashimoto's or underactive thyroid is literally not having any energy at all. Um, So it was very difficult to kind of face the day in the morning feeling like you've never slept in your entire life and you're just under a constant fog, brain fog every single day. So once I started to feel a little bit better, everything just started to come into place. And I, and that's when I really learned the value of, okay, taking care of myself and my health first is going to allow me to show up a lot better in my practice. Well, and don't you feel like we've never given ourselves the permission to put ourselves first? And like, this sounds like it dropped you on your butt and you're like, oh no, no, like I, it now is like the critical moment that I must do this. Yes, absolutely. It was, it was okay. Something's got to change. And, and to be honest, I wasn't sure that it was just a, a change of employment or a firm. I gave myself a year and I said, if I, if I'm still feeling like this a year after making all these changes, I'm out of law. I'm it. That's it. I'm calling it and I'll just figure out something else that I can I can manage. And what I learned very quickly is that I absolutely loved my job and that wasn't the problem at all. It was just the way I was practicing. 
it was the way I was set up, the way I was practicing, the the mindset that I was showing up with and not asking for help when I needed it. Yeah, because I tell my clients so many times, no matter where you go, no matter what new job you take, no matter where you relocate your family, you always take yourself. And so making those critical moves of like, maybe I can work in a different way. Maybe there's sustainability here where, you know, I'm creating chaos in my life. One question I always like to ask my guests is in those moments of burnout and, you know, with your diagnosis and what triggered your change, do you feel like it was a eureka moment or was it more of like a dark night of the soul? I don't know. It's it's hard. I think looking back, I would say it was more of a eureka moment. Like everything just kind of compounded and then... I realized, oh, I have to make a change because if I don't, this is not sustainable and something is not, something bad is going to happen either for myself or for one of my clients, which is every practice, practicing lawyer. And I'm sure professionals worst nightmare is making a mistake for your client. And that's where I really felt things were headed either, you know, my health was going to be the sacrifice or something on behalf of my clients was going to happen. And and neither one of those are acceptable, in my opinion. Um, and so that was kind of that breaking point where, okay, I have to make a change. What does that look like? I have no idea. And so that the changes were really incremental and figuring out what worked for me took some time. Um, but each little step that I took made life that much easier until you know I kind of found my happy place. And you mentioned your fiance slash now husband. And you mentioned making those incremental changes. Was there anything or any person who else was really instrumental in helping you find the happy place? Yeah. You know what? Once I made the shift to a new firm, I thought at first that that was going to solve all the problems. And it really didn't because I still had an underlying health condition that was spiraled out of control. And so making that initial change and having it not work was really frustrating for me. And it still left that question in the back of my mind, you know, three to six months into that initial change, am I going to cut it in this profession? So I actually contacted a social worker who was a lawyer in private practice and then became a social worker. And it literally took one session with that social worker to realize it was my dream job. I loved what I was doing and I loved advocating for my clients. And there was very little about my job that I disliked. What I didn't like was how I was feeling. I didn't like how uh, my health had been affected. And he said something to me that really struck home and I was really mad at first. And that was like, that was simply that I was practicing law and I, I had a disability and I needed accommodations. And that I was like, I'm not disabled. I work for the disabled. I'm perfectly fine. And so that kind of made me take a a step back and kind of look at things. And then I realized, okay, well, right now I am pretty sick and there are some things. And perhaps if I focus more on my health and get into a, a better place, then life will be a little bit easier. And so he helped me realize those two things. One, that I, I really do enjoy the job and that he did not think that it was appropriate for me to find a new area of, of practice or of life at that point. And two, suggesting that I had a disability, which I strongly disagreed with, 
helped me to see some of the changes that perhaps I needed to implement in order to regain my health. Because isn't it amazing? Like you just said, you're like, no, I'm the helper. I help the disabled. And when he showed the new label to you in front of you, I've had the exact same experience now coming to terms with my own human condition to be like, oh, I'm not a demigod. Things do happen to me. And that's absolutely okay. It's a hard, but it's a huge mind-blowing experience as well. And so thinking about that and, and looking at yourself to be like, oh my God, like I don't have to show up and work 80 hours a week and I can take time to go to my doctor's appointments and to seek the help that I need and to take whatever treatments are necessary to make sure I show up in the best way possible. How have you made accommodations both for yourself internally and externally? Yeah. So like everything else I do in life, it was very incremental. Um, So I started doing a few things uh, slowly. And um, one of the things that I was doing that was super counterproductive is working out at least six days a week and running on top of that. That's not necessarily a good thing when you have Hashimoto's. So I took it really easy. I stopped exercising is one of the main things I did. And I would go for really long walks in in the forest or on the trails near my house. And that was the only form of exercise I did for at least six, maybe eight months. I did a crazy elimination diet where anything inflammatory, I just kind of removed um, to see if there was any food intolerances or anything that was exacerbating it because it has been linked in some cases that Gluten can be harmful for people with Hashimoto's, those kinds of things. So I experimented with a different healthy lifestyle and and food and to take uh, time for myself and implementing, you know, a meditation practice and just taking it a little bit slower, working similar, but not the same amount of hours, really learning how to delegate tasks at work, not just saying I can do it, I can do it. And I really pulled back on some of my extracurricular activities because I was on so many boards and committees um, and and the extra stuff that I was doing on top of my job, while it was very beneficial to my practice, it was not beneficial to my health. So I really scaled those things back. And very quickly, I noticed how much better I was feeling. And we managed to get my medication doses right finally um, to supplement my thyroid hormones. And all of a sudden, work was easy. I would get to the office or work from home. That was another big part that I changed. I didn't have to go to the office every day as I could often work from home. And that was helpful as well. But all of a sudden, I noticed after making these changes that I would sit down and I could just plow through my work. I could actually get things done. There was no procrastination. It was clarity. And often when I was out for those walks in the morning, the answer to the problems that I was looking for the day before would just show up. It, it There wasn't um, any resistance to what I was doing anymore, where before I felt like everything I did had resistance. And I really look at it now as that window of tolerance. I was operating way outside of my window of tolerance and brought myself back in. So when you get that really stressful email from a client, it doesn't really disrupt you the same way because you have some reserve 
in your body to be able to handle that stress instead of just tipping you off the scales. Absolutely. I love that so much. So we absolutely all need more margin, more reserve, whatever you call it, energy management in our life. That's 100% true. Well, besides practicing law and being a mom and a wife, you're also a fellow podcaster. So talk a little bit about the Happy Lawyer podcast that you're a creator and producer of. Yeah. So I created the Happy Lawyer podcast. I had the idea for it basically as I was struggling through this really awful period of burnout because I felt so alone. I really felt like I was the only person who wasn't able to keep it all together. And there was nobody that I could talk to. I certainly couldn't talk to the lawyers that were in my own firm because of fear of judgments and, you know, it's very drilled into us from the beginning that there is a linear path that you must follow to partnership. And if you voice any type of concern about your mental health or well-being, about your workload or any of those things, you just won't succeed. And then I made the changes and I kind of got through it and realized how much I really enjoyed my job and how how sad it would have been for me if I had quit because I didn't have the light at the end of the tunnel that I needed. I didn't have the tools at the time. And what if I had left? And then looking on the statistics to see how many women and young lawyers in general leave the practice of law, it's huge. It's almost 50%. And that obviously affects women more than men, especially as they age. And so I started having conversations with my peers about my experience. I felt safe talking about it because it was in the past. It wasn't something I was going through anymore, and I kind of figured it out. And I realized in these conversations that so many other people had gone through this. So not only was I not able to reach out to somebody while I was in it, but other people had done the same thing and suffered in silence And then there's this awful attrition problem in the profession. And I thought, you know what? It's time. It's time we start talking about these issues, mental health. We need to talk about that. We need to talk about the attrition rates in law, the advancement of women. So I'm going to do it. And I started pulling everything together. I had a three-month-old son and uh, it then COVID hit. So that slowed me down a little bit too. And it was, I think, May in 2020, where we finally launched the first episode. And it's been going great ever since. Friend, that is just absolutely amazing. On the medicine side, it's 40% of young female physicians quit or go part-time five years out of training. So we're right there with you on the lawyer side. It's not a leaky pipeline. It's a broken pipeline. So I am so glad to have you on the attorney side advocating for the women that space as well. Friend, I just have to tell you the badass in me honors the badass in you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. If people are interested in hanging with you more, finding out more about your podcast and what's going on, where can they find you at? They can find me at thehappylawyer.ca. Or you can add me on LinkedIn and send me a direct message. Love it. We'll have all that in the show notes. Catherine, thank you so much for coming and talking to us on Burnt Out to Badass. Truly, I love to hear stories about other women who have been through the fire and have come out the other side shining. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure joining you.
I'm always so thrilled to share these stories that are so transformative, that encourage, inspire, and infuse all of us with hope and inspiration. If you need some more of that in your life, come hang out with me at burntouttobadass.com. Check the show notes. We got lots of great resources, and I would love to see you in there. All right. And don't forget, my friend, the badass in me honors the badass in you. I'm coming, you better watch out We're going high